Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Well, good morning, everyone, and we thank you for joining us at Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware. I am Pastor Julie Lewis, and we are on the second installment of our series, Imperishable, which is going through the book of 1 Peter. Now, today, the sermon is Imperishable Hope, and the scripture is 1 Peter 1, 17 to 23. And I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and the enduring word of God. The word of God for God's people. Amen. Now, it was the work of many scientists and technicians and mathematicians over quite a few years, and based on the visions and dreams of many more that went before them. But I thank God for the internet, once revered to the world as the World Wide Web. In the midst of this crisis, the internet has proved to be such an amazing tool to keep us connected, to keep us working, and to keep information we need to make decisions about everyday life that I can't even begin to imagine how we would have gotten through all of this and how we will continue to get through this without it. Now, I don't know about you, but it's been amazing to see how people all over the world are dealing with the coronavirus event and how we can encourage each other from our homes, even from the other side of the world. Case in point, I saw a video on the news a few weeks back, and it makes me smile every time I watch it. It was the words of a Scottish grandmother to her grandchildren, 93 years old, and she was telling everyone, it'll be all right, I keep turning up like a bad penny, you can't get rid of me. Now just behave yourselves and follow the rules, and we'll get through this, it'll be okay. I just love it. I don't know about you, but during this crisis, I've found that our older generation is less anxious about all of this. Certainly, they are being cautious, taking it seriously, and as Granny said, following the rules. But most of the people I've spoken to in the 60 and older age group just seem to know that this too shall pass and life will go on. Just another bump in the road. Whereas some of our younger people are having a huge sense of anxiety. All this change the uncertainty from day to day, the disruption of our lives and lifestyles, feeling like everything is out of control, has left a lot of people 
feeling helpless and hopeless. How are you feeling about all of this? Maybe you are in the taking it seriously, but I know this will pass group. Maybe you're in the helpless and hopeless group. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Or if you're like most people, it depends on the day, and in some cases, the minute. Well, we're all going to respond in our own way, aren't we? And usually that's based on our own experiences in the past, right? It's hard to believe you're going to win the battle if you've never been in a battle before. So how can we be sure? How can we have hope that we will come through all of this okay? It's a good question, and one that I believe we are all asking at some level. Now, the book of 1 Peter was written to a group of Christians living in the outer territories of the Roman Empire, and Peter calls them the dispersion, making most scholars believe they were ousted from Rome because of their faith. And so they traveled to the outer limits to be as far away from any physical persecution as possible. Now, where they found themselves living, though, was technically a foreign place to them. New people, new rules, new society, at least for them. But that's not why Peter calls them foreigners and exiles. Their belief in the one true God, their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit is what really makes them foreigners. They are living among people who believe in other gods, who have different moral standards, who behave according to the values of the world around them. Since they are followers of Jesus Christ, they have a different way of living. And that has brought a sort of separation between them and the people they live among. They are Christians who claim God as their father. And because of their faith, they are now children of God and citizens of the kingdom of God. They are aliens and foreigners because they live in a place, which we call the world, but their home is somewhere else, which we call heaven. Because their behavior and beliefs are so different from the world around them, they are subject to persecution and mockery, gossip and potential loss of their livelihood, ridicule and bullying. Some of you know how that feels, right? To be laughed at or bullied because someone else sees you as different? I know I do. It's always hard to live in such a way that you stand out as being different. As people of faith in Christ, I'm sure they expected that life would be better for them, not worse. Not many of us really want to call attention to ourselves or be different from most everyone else around us. So we might understand that it could be tempting to go back to living the way they did before they knew Jesus. And that's what Peter's afraid of. And so he writes to encourage this group of struggling Christians so they will keep going, keep living the life they have been called to and not turn back. He tells them, by the grace of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they have been given a new birth into a living hope, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Now we talked last week about the word imperishable, which means unable to die or to be destroyed, something that will endure for eternity. Because of our faith in Christ, we have this hope that will never die. Nothing can destroy it. 
So, matter, so no matter what is happening in our lives right now, we can endure. We have hope that not only will we get through this, but there is something waiting for us that is better than anything else we can find in this life. Our salvation, fully realized, living eternally with God. How do we know? Because we have been born anew not through anything found in the world (coughs) that will most certainly die, but because we have been born through imperishable seed, which Peter reminds us is the living and enduring word of God. Now Peter reminds them and us that our salvation comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the passage just before this one, he paints the picture of God's plan at work throughout history. He reminds them that this same Jesus is the one the prophets spoke about over and over. Isaiah 11.1, A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch will grow out of his roots. Isaiah 53.1-5, And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a root out of the dry ground. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his wounds we are healed. Jesus is the Son of God. God with us. The one who suffered so that we could be children of God, heirs to the kingdom of God for eternity. And in Isaiah 55, we read about the word of God. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God came to the prophets through the Holy Spirit to let the world know what God would do. This same spirit gave Jesus power at his baptism to do the work that God sent him to do and gave him new life after he had been in the grave for three days. And Jesus sent this same spirit to his believers to give them new life and the same power to overcome temptation, to endure any hardships, and to do the work that God has called us to do. The prophets never actually saw Jesus. Those early Christians had never seen Jesus either, but they knew that God had raised him from the dead. They had their hope in the risen Christ, the one who was alive and who was himself imperishable, who now gave them access by faith to that same imperishable inheritance, new birth into a living, breathing hope in the form of a risen Savior. Peter presents to them the idea that there are two ways to live their lives now that they have this new birth, this living hope. They can put their hope in the material things of this world, things that are what he calls 
perishable because they won't last. Or they can live in confident hope as children of God, certain that their future is secure. Their choice will determine how they live in the world around them. People who put their hope in the material things of the world are often tossed about by emotions and fear. When anything happens that disrupts their life, when the money runs out, when relationships are broken, when they lose something they value, they find themselves feeling helpless and hopeless. And I see a lot of anxiety happening all around while this virus has definitely disrupted almost every aspect of our lives. People are crumbling, feeling like things will never get better, and this will steal all the joy from their lives, and they will never get it back. Some have lost hope, and some are sinking fast. But Peter says we have a choice. Because we know that God has sent his son to us, that he died to free us from our sins and rose again to give us new life, we know that what God has said in the past is true. And because of his mighty acts in the past, we can put our trust in God's promises for our future and live in confident hope, a hope that has been born within us from imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God, which we know is Jesus Christ. So what are some of his promises that we see in his word? God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And because of that, we know that we are never alone. Paul tells us in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So we know that no matter what happens to us, whenever we feel too weak to go on, that we can do what needs to be done, we can endure because the spirit given to us through Christ gives us his power. Jesus tells us in John 16:33, I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will face persecution. But take courage. I have conquered, or in other translations, overcome the world. So we know that nothing in this world can overcome our hope, can take our new life, because we are children of God. We can have peace in, even in the midst of trials and struggles. In Romans 8, we hear Paul say, It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is 
our imperishable inheritance. And our faith gives us this imperishable hope that nothing will ever take the love of God away from us. When we choose to live in this imperishable hope, then we are choosing to live the way Christ calls us to live. And it will look different than the rest of the world. And we may face some form of persecution because of that. Verse 22 reminds us that it is our hope in Christ, our faith that is revealed in how we live. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, that is putting our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. Put simply, we have received the genuine love of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that love lives in us, lives in our hearts. So now we are to love one another, encourage one another, and live confidently that we are just passing through this life, walking to our future already promised and waiting for us, kept safe and secure for all time. We live as people of imperishable hope. And what that means is that we keep living out our faith, serving and giving and loving one another and patiently enduring all the challenges that this life tries to throw at us. Nothing can steal our hope. We can only let go of it if we choose to put our hope in anything other than the word of God. And the word of God is a living word born of an imperishable seed. And we know that Jesus himself is that living word. His human life began as a seed, a sprout from the root of Jesse, growing up before God like a root from the dry ground. The word of God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater, and it will not return empty, but will accomplish the purpose for which God sent it. In the resurrection, God accomplished what he set out to do, give us a new birth into a living hope. We receive this amazing gift by faith, alone. Faith in Christ is the word of God, the one sent to save our souls and secure our future, one that is imperishable. So what will we choose? Will we choose to hope in the things of the world or will we choose the imperishable hope of Christ, the living word of God? See, when fear creeps in, we can choose hope by remembering what God has done, is still doing, and will do. When we feel alienated or isolated, we can choose hope by remembering that we are never alone and then reaching out to someone who also might feel alone. And when everything seems to be crumbling around us, we can choose hope by remembering that we can do all things through Christ, that we have power through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Reach down deep and find that power. When life begins to feel overwhelming, we can choose hope because we'll remember that in the resurrection, Jesus Christ overcame and conquered the world. So pray, talk to God, let him overcome whatever it is you're facing. 
Jesus told us we will have suffering, we'll have troubles in this world, but we can have his peace if we choose the hope that he offers. We can laugh. We can find joy even in the midst of this terrible mess. But it's our choice. And we can only do that because he loved us so deeply that he came, he carried our sins to the cross and died for us, and then he rose from the grave. It is the love of God that gives us such imperishable hope. Love that will never die. So choose hope. And then go and love all the ways you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you ever can. We will get through this together by the grace of God. Love God. Love each other. And we will get to our home one day. Amen.